Well, we're on the third Sunday of a series called First. And so, each year, uh, the Lord has us in a, a mode of consecration. You know, that's a big word that a lot of people don't understand today. Um, you know, the reason that we fast and pray is to set ourselves aside so that we can hear from the Lord. And I'm praying that your, your fasting is going good and that it goes deeper. Don't ever think that the Lord can't lead you deeper into your fast. For example, if you've been fasting caffeine, maybe the Lord wants you to fast sugar too. Maybe he'll ask you to get off Facebook too. Maybe he'll ask you to shut down everything around you so that you can hear his voice more clearly. That, that's the purpose, right? It's not to see what we can do without comfortably. Well, I think that I could do this. Every time that I come up with my idea of how I want to fast, the Lord always one-ups it. <laughs> if you understand what I mean. Okay, you've given up this. That's good. Let's go a little bit deeper. Does the Lord challenge you like that? Yes. Thank you for those two hearty yeses. Are you guys out there this morning? Yes. Are you ready to grow this morning? Yes. I just need to let you know that this is it's going to be a challenging meeting, a challenging message. It's a challenging meeting. A message comes part of the meeting, but it's, it, there's going to be a challenge this morning. So get ready. There's a lot that uh, needs to be said, and uh, I, I believe that you have quick ears to hear. Let me take you to our foundational scripture. First of all, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 is, is our foundation for these five weeks. We're talking about seeking first the kingdom of God and putting God first place in our life. And so th there's something required of us. A and at the beginning of the year, we should ask these questions. Lord, what do you want for me in 2018? It's not what I want for myself. It's not my plans that are going to matter at the end of the year. It's going to be God's plan and whether or not we executed God's plan with God's strength and His grace and His peace and walking in His love, right? It's not about us. It, we have to decrease so that He can do what? Increase in our life. And so, <laughs> Matthew 6, Jesus lays it out and He says, uh, don't, don't seek after all these other things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things that, that you thought that you were seeking after or that you had been seeking after in 2017 and 2016 and 2015 and 2014, they will be added to you in 2018. Yes. Right? If you put God first. Everybody say, put God first. Put God first. Now, that's your responsibility. Yes. That's where we come in. We have a choice. Not just on January 1st, but on January 21st. What are we going to do today? What are we going to do tomorrow where the will of God is concerned? You have a choice every day. Do I choose my way or his way? Right? So Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the parable of the talents. And we're going to, I'm going to read through that so that we all understand what we're talking about. But I do want to make this statement at the very beginning. I understand that this talent was not talking about money, but I believe that the application of this passage of Scripture can incorporate more than just money. I believe it's, uh, the application is broader than just money. We're going to talk about talent today, talent, first talent, how we put our talent first 
before God, we present it first to God, and that uh, God anoints what he's called us to do. Here's what Jesus said. For the kingdom of God, I'm beginning in verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered to, to them his goods. And to one of them he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then uh, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received the two gained two more also. But he who had received the one went and dug in the ground, hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So there's a settling. There's a day of reckoning. Accountability. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. If that word is not underlined in your Bible, please underline it now. Faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over, over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents? Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid... And I went and hid your talent. Underline that phrase. I was afraid and went and hid your talent. Well, there's a lot of things we can observe from that, but I'll just keep moving. And I mean, listen, I believe God's calling us this year to go through a series called Calling. And we'll dive a little bit deeper. But today I'm going to kind of back out and say, uh, how do we present our talent first to God here? But there's a lot right here about the man being afraid and hiding. And then he said, I hid your talent. No, no, no. God gave him the talent, and he never assumed responsibility of it, right? And he says, look, here, Lord, you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would receive back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, there's some observations here. And they're in your notes there. So I'm going to go down the four points. But let me just say this. Responsibility for the gifts and abilities and talents and skills that God has given us belong to us. That responsibility belongs to us. Why? Because those gifts, talents, abilities, and skills that the Lord has given us are valuable. And they have to be developed and used and invested. And God is just. He is just and He is righteous to expect us to produce a profit from the investment of those gifts and talents and abilities and skills that he gave us in the beginning, right? So, here's uh, what we can take away from this passage, and some have taken away. You know, 
the Lord must be hard because he took from the one who only had one and it was mean and harsh to him. And so that couldn't be just. And this is the world thinking in this day because they're looking through the world's eyes at, and judging God to be unjust. But God doesn't want anyone to have a victim mentality. And we have people today in, in politics, especially people in the world that have risen up and, and, and pronounced victimization on groups of people and taught them how to be subservient in their mind. But once we become born again and we're set free from the bondage of the world, we're not a victim anymore. The Lord has made us a victor. And even if he only gave you one talent and you invested that talent and used that talent, you can produce more with one talent, acknowledging and putting it first before God, than the world can produce with 20 talents that are focused on themselves. And so just listen, because this, this, this passage is not against us giving to the poor. This, this, this is the heart of God wanting everyone to prosper. Everyone, whether you have one talent, two talents, five talents, ten talents, twenty talents, he wants you to prosper. So never ever use that excuse. I'm a victim. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Listen, there is no wrong side of the tracks. When you get born again, Jesus erases the tracks. So this passage is, is to produce fruit. This passage, the bottom line is to produce fruit. I know many people get caught up in the one, two, five talents and how many talents do I have? But listen, back off and look at this whole passage. It is, the purpose is to produce fruit. So we're going to be challenged today, this morning, to produce more fruit. Listen, here's, here's the principle. What you make out of life is not determined by what you have, but by what you do with what you have. That is the principle of this parable. So here's four observations from the parable of the sower. Number one, we are not given the same amount of talents. That's just a fact. Everybody wants to be the one with five talents. But listen, to whom much is given, much is required. Right? And listen, at the end, God is not going to say, well done, you good and talented servant. he's going to say, well done. Hopefully, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful. So again, it's not the the number of talents. And God, listen, God doesn't expect you to have more talents than he gave you originally at the beginning because he knew how many he gave you. Some people pretend to have five talents when God has only given them one talent. They see other people that are talented and they think, I would like to be like her. I would like to have that talent. When they ignored the talent that the the Lord gave them. Listen, God didn't expect the one with one talent to produce five more. Come on. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? God expected every one of them to prosper. To make an advancement to go forward, okay? So he's given us gifts and abilities. They come from him. And no doubt people want to be super multi-talented because that's the culture that we live in. 
we give five stars to those who have five talents. And we give two stars to those who give two talents. And we give one star to those who have one talent. You, you know, we are a, a, a culture obsessed with rating. We rate everything and we rate everybody. And it's all up here. And we're judging people based on how they look and how much we think we think that they have in the bank. It just blows my mind when I read the story of, of, of Sam Walton and how he would go around to Arkansas. Here's a man who grew into this multi-millionaire, and here he is driving an old, what was it, Ford truck? A Ford truck in overalls. Nobody even recognized the guy. That's, that's just awesome to me, just like nobody recognized Jesus. They thought, oh, he sh- surely he should be. If he's the king of the kings, king of the kings, he should be in the palace of all palaces, but he wasn't. Everybody wants to be a five-talent person. Nobody wants to say, you know, I only have one talent. But think about it. Remember, to whom much is given, much is required. More talents require more responsibility. When we compare our talents to others, we start to covet I would like to be able to do that, or I would like to be able to do that. And you, when you begin to covet what someone someone else has, you neglect what you have. It's just automatic. And the more you neglect it, the more you despise the one who gave it to you. Because the one with one talent judged God, but he judged him wrong. He said, "I knew you were a hard master, reaping where you didn't sow." And people who have sat down on their talents and hidden their talents have judged God and said, God, I didn't want that talent. I'm not going to use that talent because I want Bob's talent. I want Betsy's talent. Right? It's true. Point number two. This is just the introduction, guys. We got a long way to go. I hope... I'm going to speak really quick here. You're going to have to go back and get the audio and the video and just chew it up all week long. This is point number two of the intro. God holds us accountable for the talents that we're given. Some people want to thank God, think about God as this sugar daddy. He gives and gives and gives and gives, but then he doesn't hold me accountable for anything. I can just say, oops, it's okay. Oops, it's okay. God forgives. God forgives. Yes, he does. But as we grow and as we mature, he expects us to be more accountable, right? Nobody wants to preach that side of the full gospel. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But how about, hey, God, you have given me much, so there's much required of me. Responsible, responsibility. He expects us to discover and develop the talents that he gave us. And he's going to require us to give an account, You know, it's frustrating uh, to watch people who are frustrated trying to develop gifts and talents that that God never gave them. They try this and they try that and they try this and they try that because somebody, they heard that somebody did and, you know, made this amount of money because they were, uh, I'm telling you, people, I hear it as a pastor all the time, people making career decisions based on the amount of money that they can make. Really? That's not putting God first as far as our talents are concerned. We waste time and frustrate ourselves when you try to develop a talent that doesn't even belong to you. How about point number three? 
If you use your talent correctly, it will multiply. Amen. So by, by using that correctly, doing exactly, and we're going to go to the scripture in a few minutes, but exactly what Lake said this morning, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, consecrating it to God every day. It requires consecration. It requires dedication. It requires taking ourselves and sitting ourselves at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, here I am, spirit, soul, and body, every mind, will, and emotion, everything that I am, everything that I hope to be, I give to you today, and I ask you to receive all that I have and all that I am. I belong to you, and I have to place myself in his hands every day. Because listen, at the end of the day, if it doesn't belong to him, then it does belong to you. And you can produce some things in the flesh, but in the very end, there'll be wood, hay, and stubble, right? So we have to diligently seek his kingdom every day and be ready to give him glory for everything that you do. See, when men and women around you see God blessing you, that is an open door for you to say, listen, this didn't come from me. I don't have this ability. God gave me this ability, and I am in development. God is working with me to develop this, so I give him all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. As much as I don't want to say this, um, everybody looked up now. Like... <laughs> You know how I was rooting for Georgia. Now, I have a, a good friend and, and a brother and a, a, a member of our church, Jimmy, here this morning. We were talking about Alabama and Georgia, and he's a big Alabama fan. But he can't be a bigger Alabama fan than I am a Georgia fan because I've been a Georgia fan a lot longer than he's ever been, a lot longer than he's been born. So, but he said, Pastor, this is, this is really cool, though. He said, Pastor, uh, did you hear the quarterback from Alabama, that, that freshman from Hawaii. Did you hear what he said when they stuck the mic in his face? He says, I give all glory to Jesus Christ, my Savior. And I, I mean, that took the bitterness right out of me. I'm like, yeah, praise God. There's a man that's willing to, with the microphone in his hand, and also the guy from Minnesota Vikings, I understand. The guy that's going in the playoffs. I'm telling you, more people need to stand up boldly and say, listen, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ that lives in me. So that is using our talent correctly. Number four, if you don't use your talent, you will lose your talent. There's just no way around, no way around that. No way around that. It's like a foreign language. If, if I quit speaking Italian, then I'm going to lose it. Now, I learned it. I, I lived there eight years, and I got to a place where I could preach in Italiano, poi se no non parliamo più. Uh, see, I just lost the word. Uh, we per, perdoniamo she, <laughs> perdoniamo she. We we will lose it, right? So if you don't practice what you don't practice, you lose. Like I uh, went to Home Depot yesterday. I, I need to probably sit down on this one. Went to Home Depot yesterday. You guys mind if I tell you a little story? Somebody said yeah, and somebody said no. I'm going to tell you one anyway. <laughs> Went to Home Depot yesterday. It's already making my back feel better. So I went to Home Depot yesterday. 
buy some sheets of uh, paneling. And I'm thinking in my, my mind, you know, in my 30-year-old mind, because I think in my mind sometimes I'm 30, right? And forget I'm 54. So I load these panels up on this little truck, the little hand truck thing, these four-foot-by-eight-foot four sheets of paneling, right? And, you know, not thinking anything about it, just twisting, you know, putting it up by myself. I didn't ask for any help because, guys, you know, guys, when you walk in Home Depot, that adrenaline starts rushing. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know where I'm going, and I know what I'm doing. I don't have to ask for any help. And I didn't have any gloves in my truck, and I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to go buy a pair of gloves, $1.50. So I went over to aisle number 23 and bought a $1.50 pair of gloves, go back over, pick the paneling up, put it on the truck, scoot it all up on there, five sheets of it, and then go up to the cash register, and I pay, and I'm like, whew. So I go out the door, and I see these three young, tall guys with muscles, and they have Home Depot jackets on. And I'm like... My, 55, my 54-year-old mind comes into play now, and I'm like, uh, you three guys, hold it right there. I'm going to go get my truck. Can you help me to put these panels on my truck? So, I, you know, I just went deflated kind of, uh, but smart, smart, right? I go get the truck. The three guys come, and they help me. What a help. What a blessing. They served they served. And this, this is part of the message here. But, you know, the, the, the point that I was making, if you don't use your muscles, you lose your muscles. So this morning I woke up and I'm like, oh, man, what happened? What did I do? So that's why I got the chair. So I'll just stay in the chair for a few minutes and then I'll get up again. Don't bury your talent. Look at your neighbor and say, don't bury your talent. Listen. The one, the one who buried the talent could have been the guy with the five talents, right? It could have been the one with two talents, but the one with one. Because he thought, you know, I don't have as much as everybody else. And if I just save it, I, just, I won't act on it. I won't do anything with it. Um, and people think that the Lord is harsh when they read this parable. But listen, God expects us to use what he's given us. You know, a lot of people, we have to discover what he's given us. That's why I believe, you know... Later this year, we're going to have a series called Calling, and we're going to discover our calling and uh, dig a little deeper on this. But listen, remember this. God was not obligated to give you the talent that he gave you in the first place. He made you, he made you the way that he made you. I hear this story and one other example that I heard that it, it just sticks with me as long as, long as I go on. Uh, you know, the croc shoes with the little holes in them. They look like, uh, you know, shoes from Holland, but they're rubbery and they have holes in them. You know, the weird looking. A late, a, a, a stay-at-home mom had an idea one day. I'm going to decorate my kids' Crocs with these little uh, things, whatever they are. I mean, stars and starfish and birds and flowers. And, and she started making these things in her garage in her garage, and she called them jewels for the Crocs or whatever. I don't know. She formed a company. <laughs> she got incorporated, and she became a millionaire making these little things that go on the Croc shoes. And, okay, say, somebody may say, well, that was just a fad, and you don't see a bunch of Croc shoes going around anymore. George is not here this morning, but... Um, 
But the thing is, the lady followed her heart, and she was born again. She tells her testimony, and the Lord prospered her because she used the talent that God gave her. So think about, today, I want, during the message, I want you to think about the talents that you have. Number one, have you discovered them? And the big question is, what are you doing with them? In 2018, we want to put our talent before God. We want to, t- we want to take inventory. Uh, Ephesians 5.15, there in your notes. Look at this, from the Amplified Bible. From the Amplified Bible. Ephesians 5.15, therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as the wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people, making the most of your time on earth. Making the most of your time on earth. Let's make the most of our time on earth. Here's how we do it. Recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. Because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. So, make the most of our time on earth. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make sure that we put God first in the area of our talent. You didn't make yourself and you didn't give yourself the gifts and abilities and talents that you have. Don't take credit for them. You didn't create yourself. Here's four principles to increase your profitability or productivity or four principles that cause you to go forward in this area of talent. Number one, recognize that your life belongs to God. Back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Look at this in the Message Bible. This is so awesome, guys. I challenge you, on top of reading your uh, New Testament chapter a day this week, to go through this, this one passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2, in the Message Bible this week, every day. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the Message says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. See, because we can't do anything without the grace of God. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Or we could say, put God first. And the life of God will begin to start coming out of you. Readily, here's a good phrase, readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, this recognizing what God wants from you and quickly responding to it is very important in life so that you can walk in the Spirit and accomplish what God wants you to where it, 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 this talent is concerned, the gifts and callings, abilities that God has put within you. You know, when we don't quickly respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, then the devil is right there, ready 
with plan B. And he's trying to sell plan B. During the fast, if we're not careful driving down the road beside Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme, and they got that hot sign on it, Krispy Kreme. (laughs) Uh, If we don't readily respond to what God wants, then we could settle for plan B and get a setback obeying the devil, driving in and eating a whole half dozen of Krispy Kreme. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Don't look at me like that. I didn't do that. (laughs) I readily recognized what God wanted, and I have been sugar-free since the fast started. Oh, man. I feel so much better. And there's some other things that I've, I've eliminated too. But listen, here's the point. If, if my life is not my own, then how can I truly say that I want God's will done in my life? If, if, if I'm clinging onto my life and saying, God, I want to do what I want to do, and I'll get to you later. If I put him second or third or fourth or fifth, then my life truly doesn't belong to him. If Jesus is the Lord of my life, then he has access to every area of my life, including my talent, including what I do with what he's given me, right? If my life is not my own, then I'm not making decisions anymore based on convenience and comfortability or or comfort, right? No convenience, no comfort, has any place in my decision-making. The Lord has challenged me over the past month. And my, I have my agenda, and something comes up, and the Lord says, do this. And I'm like, how, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to fit. It seems like it's throwing another curve, but I'm going to go with it. And there's grace there, and it works out. Right? Is your agenda, is your schedule based on convenience and comfort? Is what you decide to do based on your preference? Who runs your life? Who does your life belong to? Point number two, you have to use your talent to serve others if you want to be profitable. If you want to be the profitable servant, whether you have one talent, two talents, five talents, you have to use your talent serving others. Many discover their God-given talent And because they're not putting God first, they naturally use their talent to benefit themselves. I mean, that's the way the world works. You're talented. Develop your skill. Get your certifications. Then you'll make more. You'll be worth more. You can do it. If it's up to me, or if it's to be, it's up to me. Right? Pull myself up by my own bootstrap. (laughs) But listen, if what you, what you do to gain out of your own strength, you have to keep doing to maintain. So God wants us to know that the way up is down. He wants us to be humble servants, not proud, arrogant king's kids. And sometimes I see the king's kids get the Z-snap. And I don't have to settle for that. I don't have to do that. That's not how a king's kid acts or wants 
and they're too high and lofty to do anything to serve anybody else. And God didn't make us that way. If he made us like Jesus, what did Jesus do? He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. The motive behind the talent determines whether God is first or not. What's your motive? Matthew 20, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26. It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you. This, this, this scripture doesn't get very much playtime because it's tough. I don't want to go down, pastor. I don't want to go down. I started off there. I started off. I started off serving. So when did you get so good that you can't serve anymore? <laughs> it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Hmm. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Uh-oh, that's a bad word. We don't say that word. Shh. That's the S word. Shh. Did you ever hear bond servant? Paul said, I'm a bond servant. Where Jesus tells me to go, I go. No questions asked. No complaining. No griping. But God, you can't, you, you can't send me there. Oh, but God, I can't get my hands dirty. You know I have this germ phobia. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as, just as. Ooh, underline just as. The Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus served, but to serve. He served. And to give his life a ransom for many. I don't, I don't think Jesus could have given his life as a ransom unless he had served. Now, giving your life as a ransom is part of serving. But Jesus displayed serving before he was nailed to a cross. And the ultimate display of serving was washing the feet of those who would betray him, who would sell him out, who would doubt him. His disciples, the dirty feet of the guys that would run in fear and hide. And yet the Bible says, the greatest among you is your servant. The greatest is your servant. The greatest is your servant. What makes you great is not being served, but serving. The flesh says, I want to be served. I need this. I need that. Give me, give me, give me. A servant's heart says, I'll take care of you before I take care of myself. And so this is how talent is developed, guys. This is why some people go through life never discovering and never developing their talent. Because they're not willing to serve. And they're frustrated their whole life, and their whole life passes them by. Nothing of any uh, great substance has been achieved in their life for the kingdom of God because they're not willing to serve. How about the server in the restaurant? Some of us go out to eat after church. Not now because we're fasting, right? <laughs> not today. That's what I meant to say. Not today. Because... Uh, 
we're fasting today, but some of us go out to the restaurant and it's, hey, you, hey, hey, do you see me? I need, uh, my glass is half empty now. Uh, could you come, please? My food is cold. Uh, hey. And because I have the money, I'm telling them, hey. But if you think about it, in the whole restaurant, who is the greatest? The one that's serving. If they sat down or if they had a walkout, the whole place would shut down. Amen. Right? <laughs> or the maid. Oh, because I have so much money, I can call somebody over to my house. And because they're from another country and there's not very much they can do, and they need this, so I'm helping them out. And after all, I've got it in me to help them out. Who's the greatest? The one that's willing the one that's willing to do whatever they need to do with the talent that God has given them. You know, terms like maid and janitor are despised. That's why the culture has a really hard time with them, and we change these titles because we don't want to we don't want to put people down. But if we understood what serving meant. You know, we're, we look too much, as the church I'm talking about, we look too much through the eyes of the world. Yes. And we denigrate people. We, we, we disdain them because they're doing what I did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Right? We forget where we came from. And so we need to get back to serving. Jesus, when he deserved his disciples praying for him, he humbled himself and washed their feet. Are we better than Jesus? No. No. How about the nursery workers in this church? No. <laughs> the most underrated ministry in the church. When Pastor Sheila and I graduated from Bible school back in 1987, we got married two weeks later. And we sat in Tulsa for two years praying and asking the Lord what he wanted us to do. He said, stay here and learn how to be married. That was true. After two years, he released us and told us to move to Oklahoma City. We didn't want to move to Oklahoma City. There was no desire in my heart to move to Oklahoma City until one night we're eating in our little one-bedroom apartment on a, a, a little table that, and the, you know, the, the, I think we were eating on lawn chairs and the table that didn't even match. You know, you just get hand-me-down stuff and piecemeal stuff. And we're sitting there. I remember very, very vividly, we looked at each other and said, we're going to move to Oklahoma City. Neither one of us wanted to, but we moved there to help a church. We showed up. We weren't asking for anything. We were there because the Lord told us to go and help that pastor. We met with the pastor behind closed doors. It wasn't out in front of everybody. Look at us. We're Bible school graduates. Here's what we can do for you. And we said, Pastor, what do you need us to do? And you can guess what he asked us to do. Work with the children. Because nobody else wants to work with the children. Nobody else. Hard to get children's workers. Why? Because... Everybody wants to hear the word, but very few people want to actually do the word and minister to children. When you work with children, you have the opportunity to lead a child to Jesus. 
You have an opportunity to teach them how faithful God is, how good God is, because they can see it in their, your eyes. Think about the people that taught you when you were young. Do you remember, do you remember them? You remember those ones that put the word in you, that were diligent and faithful to show up. And if Jesus wants to minister to his body, and they're a part of his body, he's got to use the adults to do it, guys. He didn't call children to minister to other children. Right? And so we were there, and we ministered to children. We didn't have a child. It was a few years before Elizabeth was born. So we, we started. We started ministering. To, I mean, I changed diaper when I didn't even have a child. And it was like this, you know. <laughs> How do you do this? <laughs> Somebody help me here. But I was willing. Yes. I was willing. Yes. And after that first, first breath, <laughs> it will really test your willingness and your consecration. But serving, serving requires sacrifice, guys. Remember when Jesus talked about the children? His disciples were forbidding the parents to bring the children to Jesus. And Jesus, <laughs> he was upset. I mean, the King James Version puts it very nicely. But he, he rebuked his disciples for, for holding the children back. Because ministering to children is the heart of Jesus. How many of you in here have children? Raise your hand high like you're proud of it. Okay. And how many of you were a child? Okay. That means all of us need ministered to. And if we're going to build a church where children are welcome, we're going to need more people to minister to our children. So I, I am, I'm, I'm moving somewhere. I'm working somewhere because uh, February the, the, seven, the, seven, the 10th, Saturday, February 10th, mark it down, at 10 a.m. we're having our plugged-in class and we're going to show everybody. This is a class we've never had before. We've always had membership class, but we've never had the other piece. Okay, how do we serve? How do we get involved? How do we use our talent that God's given us? So February the 10th at 10 a.m., we're going to all come together. It may, may be so big, we'll have to have it in here. We're not going to be long, but we're going to teach you how to use my LWC and see where you can serve. Because I refuse for... Lifeway Church to be named wicked and lazy. Amen. Let me say it again. Did you hear what I said? I refuse for anybody in Lifeway Church to be labeled wicked and lazy. Amen. And I'm not talking about you don't go out and have a job. I'm talking about serving in the local church. It's important. God's house is important. So how's Jesus going to bless the children in his body if he doesn't use the adults? Who's going to serve Jesus by serving the life kids? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 25, when you've done it to the least of these. Oh, but I don't like the children. They're so loud and they're... And I've already done my time with my child. I've heard that too. I've done my time. Okay. Now, if, if you hate children, please don't sign up to, to work with children. But I think some of it's just an attitude adjustment, right? 
Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans 12, 3. See, we read Romans 12, 1 and 2, but we stopped at 2 and didn't read 3. 3 through 8 says, For I say the, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Can I, can I, can I extend the meaning of all these verses together? If you're going to have faith, let's use our faith to serve one another. Because we're part of one another. And the parts of the body of Lifeway Church need the other parts of the body of Lifeway Church. So how can we say, I don't have any talents, I'm going to sit on them, I'm going to bury them. Or, 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 this is a good one too. Lord, I'll, I'll do this, and I'll do this, but over there, ah, no. Never say never. Having the gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them. See, a gift not used is lost, lost. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. As we serve one another, we're serving the Lord, Jesus, because we're a part of the body of Christ. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, not only to use the liberty as an opportunity to the flesh, but through love, serve one another. You want to see a mature Christian? It's one who releases their faith to serve others and love others. Again, the flesh wants to be served, but the spirit wants to serve. Number three, point number three. Be faithful over your seed of ability. The key to increase is faithfulness. Amen. Being faithful. God's given each one of us abilities, but we have to be faithful in serving and sowing our ability. Ability untapped is no good. Again, it's wasted. But to, to take your ability and to sow it in, into the local church, you know, it's easy to sign up, but we need you to show up. Being faithful to follow through and do what we say we're going to do. You know, when people realize that work is involved in serving and then they encounter the word sacrifice, most of the time you never see them again. <laughs> it's true. A lot of people say that they are burned out. I'm just burned out, Pastor. I'm just burned out. But really, a lot of times they've just forgotten the reason why they're serving. Yeah. They just need to remember why they're serving. Being faithful causes growth and growth eventually produces fruit. Where there's no growth, you can't produce fruit, right? There's, there's people that have been, they've produced fruit in their life before, but not producing anything now because they just quit serving. They get to a place where they, you know, I've served, I've done my time. 
phrases like this, I've done my time. I sure am glad Jesus, <laughs> during the Last Supper, he didn't get up and say, you know what, I've done my time. You guys are just unbearable. You know, the, the one, of, one of you over there is full of the devil. I, I, I'm over it. Listen, here's the deal. Here's a, here's a word for you. The reason that I'm passionate about serving more this year than in the past because I know that many of you are expecting breakthrough. And I know that if you get a hold of this principle and you begin to serve and begin to be faithful in it, in your service, that you're going to see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. But your breakthrough is tied to your giving. And I'm not talking about money giving. Giving, 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 giving. That's what the rich young, rich young ruler said. I have all, I've done all, look at me. boy. Jesus, what else do I have to do? Jesus said, take all of what you have, sell it, give it to the poor, and then follow me. I heard Pastor Sheila say the other day, if there's going to be breakthrough, something has to break. And most of the time, that's our will. We have to break our will. It's no longer my will, but his will. I told you this was a challenging message. I know some of you are praying for me. As I give this, I'm praying for you to receive it. So that we don't just hear it, but we act on it. This phrase, I can't, I won't, that's not for me, has to be eliminated from our life. So that God is first in every area. And if you put God first on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and you serve the body of Christ in the local church, I guarantee you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is going to be doubly blessed. His grace will come on your gifts, talents, and abilities that he's given you during the week in a way that you have never experienced before. If you're just willing to give of yourself on Sunday to the local church. Oh, but pastor, you're saying that just because you're a pastor. No, listen, there was a time in our life where we decided God may have called us to minister. He may have called us to preach. He may have called us to pastor. We don't know, but I know where I'm going to be on Sunday. And I know what I'm going to be doing on Sunday. And it's not warming, warming a pew. It is up and out and serving, seeing how much I can do, how much I can do. Because when I give out, it's a blessing that you can't get from anything else. Serving. God designed us to serve, guys. Why, why is it that we, we try to see where it fits into our schedule? Ooh, let me see where it fits into my schedule. It's the principle of first. Number four, set your goal this year in 2018 to be a hundredfold Christian. And again, I am not talking about money. People have used this passage in Mark 4. Money, 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 money. Money. <laughs> We're going to get there. And, and I think next week we talk about treasure. But this week we're talking about talent. Listen, if you weren't talented, if you had no gifts and no abilities, you, you wouldn't be worth anything to earn anything. So we need to learn the principle of first and our talent first 
before we go to Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, right? Mark 4. Here's, here's bottom line of Mark 4. Many here, but few produce a hundredfold. Many here, but few produce a hundredfold. Everybody wants to be hundredfold, hundredfold. This parable is talking about the word producing in your life. And the word of God producing in your life is going to produce, first of all, service to the body of Christ. And the real fact is that, that there's 20% of the church that serve 80% of the church. Amen. That's just a fact. Any church, run the numbers, they tell you. 20% of the people give 80% of the money. 20% of the people serve, serve in the church 80% of the time. And so here's the parable. I'm just going to break it down really quick. Number one. Not, we're not gonna, I'm not going to read it. You can read that. Number one, there's, there's four types of soil. Number one, the wayside. Yes. On the ground. Seed was scattered on the ground. It's like people hearing the word and goes in one ear and comes out the next ear. Those type of people really don't care about God. And it shows because they don't care about the body of Christ. So when they hear something, the devil comes in and steals the word before they can ever do it. Immediately the devil comes in and steals the word. Because really, they don't care that much about God or his body. Number two, the person that has stony or shallow ground. Those are the people that are glad to receive it. Oh, I love this place. You preach the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. Emotional. Ooh, wow. I'm so glad. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Pastor, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do this. I like this church. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to serve here. I'm going to serve there. And then shortly after the persecution, it may, it may even be a year, maybe a year and a half, two years. But the persecution comes for the word's sake. Little trouble comes, and they get their mind focused on their trouble and their problems instead of God. And then they fall away from the Lord. They stop coming. Little offense. They didn't like the lights. The music was a little loud. The air condition was a little cold. The heaters weren't working like they should. Or somebody parked in there's parking space. Shallow. Here today and gone tomorrow. Number three, thorny ground. Thorny ground. Those are the Christians that come and they hear the word. They embrace the word. They start bearing fruit. And then read it in Mark 4. The deceitfulness of riches. The lust of other things. The cares of this world. They come and choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. And they start having problems. Problems. Problems, problems, that, and, and, and either the devil's coming real strong against me or God's not who he says he is and he can't deliver me and they start doubting. And, and why? Because, oh, well, I, I've got to go here and I've got to do this and I've, I, I can't come this week and I won't be here for the next three weeks, Pastor, and I, I, I you know, 
We're just on the road so much, I just... Listen, if you want to find an excuse to stay out of fellowship with the body, the devil can gladly, gladly accommodate you. We're so, but we're so busy. Okay, show me in the Bible where God says you can get so busy that you forget to come and fellowship with the rest of the body. Oh, but pastor, no, 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 no. We, you don't understand. I send my tithe on and, and we watch on streaming. Show me in the Bible where it says it's, it's okay to have an electronic church. I, I, you know, flesh and blood ministers to flesh and blood. If, if you need hands laid on you, you know, there's not an app for that. I can't find it. I need hands laid on me. Hmm. Call for the elders of the church. Have them come and anoint you. No, 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 no. Just FaceTime me and extend your hand and I'll put it on me. And <laughs> in, in all of our technology, listen, in all of our technology, I, I know it seems really strange, guys, but our thinking is almost there. That we, we, we can exist without each other. And how far from the truth is that? Flesh and blood can't, can't be replaced. That's why the body is, when we come together, there's a warmth. It's cold out in the world. It's cold in the world. They're cold, they're hard. And Jesus said in the last days, their heart would become cold and hardened. No love. Now when you come in the body and you spend time with each other, Emailing me in the middle of the week is not spending time with me. FaceTime. There's nothing, nothing. Imagine me having a relationship with my wife, guys, and just saying, you know what? I'm going to have my own house, and I'll just text you every couple of weeks and let you know that I still love you. I'll send you flowers over there, but I still expect you to be married to me. But I really don't want to see you. Just snap a picture of yourself and send it to me every now and then. Really? But we have a generation that thinks this way. Well, we can just have this Snapchat relationship. And we get so far, we get so comfortable just attending services online and sending our tithe in electronically that we forget that there are people that need to hear a word from you. That you're not here, you're not here to receive, but you're here to give. You're here to see the new baby, the new shy baby. You're here to love on the shies. They just had a new baby. How did you know that? Because I just now told you that. Because maybe your email bounced and you didn't get the announcement that the shies had a new baby. But if you're here, you get to see the shies' new baby. Guys, you know, I'm just using the illustration, right? Shies, raise your hand over there. (laughs) They have a new baby that's not even two weeks old yet. And they're here in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Thank you, guys, for making our family important to you. And, and I just want to take just a second because here's, here's a serving moment. Here's a teaching moment. But Jerry and the, guy, uh, Jerry and the, and the guys, Jerry and the ladies, 
uh, Nancy Huffman and some of the others, um, Jerry serving back in the treehouse this morning, right? But Jerry, Nancy Huffman, and some of the others prepared meals, took it over to the shies, and served the shies. Because that's a part of the family. So what if we just told the shies, hey guys, send us a picture of your new little girl, and we'll just, we'll, we'll send you a gift card over to your house so that you can go out to Kroger and buy your own groceries. Because we don't want to go through the trouble of finding out what you like to eat. It'll be more convenient for you, more comfortable for you. Nobody has to come knock at your door. Do you guys understand where I'm coming from? It's the heart of the Lord. We use our talent to serve because we serve one another, because we're the body. So this type three, the thorny ground, God begins to bless them. They increase and increase and more they increase. And the more they increase, the less you see them. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Everybody's busy. Yes, we are. But what's important to you? Is family important to you? Is family important to you? Number four, good ground. You know, Matthew 13, 23 says, Jesus said, who, he who receives seed on good ground is he the, that hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, and some 30. My confession and my prayer of faith this morning for all of us in Lifeway is that we're good ground. Yes. That we hear the word, we receive the word, we understand the word, and then we act on the word. And those, that have, those of us that have been producing at 30 are going to jump up to 60. Those that have been producing at 60 are going to jump up to 100. That we're, we're unsatisfied. We're not satisfied where we are. That we're going to begin to produce more fruit and use our talents and gifts for the Lord. So, here we are at the end of the message to make a decision. What has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? It's, it's time for us to make a decision. Lord, 2018, I'm deciding that I'm all in. I'm all in. All that I am, spirit, soul, and body, mind, will, emotions, everything about me, every gift, ability, every skill, every talent that you gave me belongs to you. I give it back to you. And I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm serving you with all of my heart. And by serving you, I'm serving the body. By serving you, I'm serving the body. And I'm going to show up February the 10th at 10 a.m. And they, everybody's saying, you know, the pastor's really making a plea for that. Yes, he is. Yes, I am. And I'm going to be more passionate about it because, listen, this is my life. It's not my vocation. I didn't choose to be a pastor. God called me. He equipped me. He anointed me to challenge you. And, and maybe, listen, I'm, I'm saying this with love. Please hear me when I say this. If you feel like you're be, not being challenged or being over-challenged, whatever the case may be, by a, a strong message in love like this, then I pray and I'll help you find another church. I love you. I love you that much. But it's time for the body of Christ to start acting like the body of Christ. Amen. Not like some adopted person that's like, ew, I don't want, I don't want to get, I don't want to get close to the rest of the body. It's people that need you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> There's babies 
in the body that needs you. And parents of those babies that need groceries and food and love and care and attention. And what are we doing? We'd rather pay somebody to do it than do it ourselves. The skills and gifts and abilities that are in this room right now are phenomenal. But we take the mindset, we'd rather pay someone. So bow your head. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, thank you for helping us activate our faith.